Well, we're going to be rad today for <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Welcome to episode four of the Be Rad for Jesus podcast. Following Jesus is radically different and radically awesome. Today, we talk about Pixar's new movie, Turning Red, the old movie, Boys Don't Cry, bad takes on hot topics, a bit of conversation about how Colbert and Dua Lipa had a conversation about faith and comedy. Our interview guest today is Jessica Geiger, TikTok star, youth pastor, worship pastor, all around radical human being. Can't wait for you to hear that conversation. Here's the show, Be Rad for Jesus. All right, welcome to the Be Rad for Jesus podcast. Another day, another episode, another... Another dollar. Yeah, not really. I'm in it for the money. That's why I'm in ministry. <laughs> yeah, me too. So far, a <laughs> uh, grand total of uh, potential of um, almost nothing for uh, advertising revenue if <laughs> any of these ads ever see the light of day. Share this with a friend. Get us a quarter of a penny. Yes. Uh, maybe. Not even that. <laughs> Join the ministry. There's tens of dollars to be made. Dozens. (laughs) Dozens of dollars. Wait, wait. Okay. So for real though, let's let's start. That is, we're started. That's what this is what the people want. This is what the people want. No, it isn't. All right. I'll probably leave this in. That's what I said last time. And I was like, I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it in there. Um no, so yeah. Welcome to the Be Rad for Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lucas, here with Scott. Scott, how you doing today? Living that dream. Ah, catchphrase, in effect. Living the that's dream. That's it. That's it. That's, that's the catchphrase. It's not my fault that it's awesome to say. <laughs> it's not. I can't well, prevent it. You keep it's making really... it awesome. That's what makes it awesome. <laughs> You're too rad for new new phrases <laughs> too cool for school <laughs> too legit to quit all right <laughs> now scott what's what's jesus been up to in your life this week basically um i mean lots of stuff <laughs> all right um you never know Impressive. when he's going to show up yeah. um <laughs> no um <laughs> he's like the kool-aid man spiritually like just, it's like hey! that sticker the sticker of like white jesus that says i, I saw that you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um no it's i always been picture good. what's the guy in uh family guy the the black friend cleveland is that his name? Yeah, yeah 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 i always picture his voice over that meme. <laughs> I like, saw that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Jesus has been great. My wife and I did this thing uh, called understandmyself.com. It's like a really in-depth, psychologically-based uh, profile. And I really feel like that was good. Like, it kind of felt like my idea, but I think it was really good for our marriage because um, <laughs> we already have a really great marriage, but um, really great marriages are usually trying to get really, like, better. Yeah. That's what I've noticed. So, um you know, that's what we're trying to do. We're about that life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like really great people are trying to get better generally. Yeah. You know, so yeah, we, we did this, uh, this thing and it was really good. It's like, I think it's like $17 to do it as a couple. And it's really, nice. it's almost too much information, but it was really like, we keep talking about it, um, in, in terms of like what we learned about each other. Um, and that was like the most recent thing where I was just like, God, I was so thankful it did. It caused me to be more aware of my tendencies and 
oftentimes like with Enneagram or like any of these things that you do, sometimes they feel like it's like you're receiving a prophecy from, from on high. That's how people treat them. It's like, you're a seven. That means you're disorganized and you'll never do anything responsible in your life. Uh And it's, and people treat that like, yes, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I'm like, no, that's not good. That's really not good. Um, and so I think it's good. (laughs) I mean, it's good that you're getting to not that place. Yeah, no, because I think people tend to treat it like that. Oh, this is describing me. So that's why I am. That's why I have this horrible thing about me. And that's just the way I am. And Mm -hmm. I don't think this is like that. I think it can be It kind of like some of the scores I got bummed me out because, you know, (laughs) I was just like, ah, I wish I was more like a CEO or something that had high scores. But like you could sit alone until you die. That's (laughs) 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 no, it wasn't like that. But so anyway, I just feel like it was really good. Like and then just case in point, I I took I had to take uh, my middle child to the ER um, and got sent home with with Tylenol because he had a cough. So. (laughs) but he was it was like a bad bad cough he was like crying because it hurt so bad and i was and katie was my wife was like we should take him to the er and i'm like they're gonna send us home with tylenol and then uh we go there it took two and a half hours it cost 150 dollars, and they sent us home with tylenol and so (laughs) but we just i you know part of the thing was just how i i can experience like i'm higher in neuroticism than my wife and that means i experience negative emotion more often and Hmm. um I was just like, all I want to do is wallow in this. All I want to do is be like, what was me? This is stupid. I hate that. I knew I shouldn't have come here. I'm going to say I told you so. (laughs) And then I just had this profound moment where I felt the peace of God, where I was like, Mm. this is some people's whole life. It's just coming in and out of the hospital with their sick kid. And like, and I was so, like, I seriously, I I didn't just not feel lame. I felt like a 180. I felt an immense amount of gratitude because I was like, wow, Jesus, thank you. I have three healthy children that have really never needed anything from the hospital, you know, and and we have been so blessed and fortunate in that way. And I was Mm. literally almost in tears on my drive home and it was, you know, a worthless trip to the ER. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. That was, that was kind of a, that was a long winded thing, but I feel like it was all related. <laughs> you know? yeah. No, but that's good. You, it sounds like you, you grabbed perspective out of that event. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right? And I think that's a priceless takeaway from, uh, from things is to, to find ways to locate uh, God moving and, and to give gratitude. I think that's probably closer than, um, you know, then, then the positive experience of not having gone to the ER at all. Um, I think, you know, finding God in the, in a meaningless and somewhat costly, uh, you know, event of, you know, the kid is sick and gone and, and being frustrated about all those things, but then reorienting around, uh, finding Jesus in the midst of that, um, I think gets us closer to like, you know, first Thessalonians five, where it's like, you know, uh, rejoice always uh, pray Mm -hmm. continually and uh, give thanks in every circumstance, Yeah, you know, that like, 
yeah, if I'm doing those things, then it looks more like finding God in frustrating and painful and hard circumstances than it does just like being vaguely excited about Jesus, you know, that like at the end of my week when I land back in church and go, oh, yeah, well, I have stuff to praise him for because nothing bad happened this week. Right. And it's like, so are you saying you wouldn't praise him if something bad did happen this week? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or and I, I think, think a lot of, of people is, um, actually are. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I heard somewhere that like, I mean this, this, I heard this before I did it, but I put it in practice. The only other time I've ever had to take a kid to the ER. Um, mm -hmm. that was when my oldest was my only kid that I, you know, I didn't have my other two yet. And, yeah. um, he, he had just, he hit his head really hard. And so we wanted to have him check it out because he vomited. So we were like, Oh, he probably has a concussion. And, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> It was scary because he like flipped over a railing and landed on a step. So it was like, oh, you know, it's one of those yeah. things you can't stop replaying in your head as a parent. You're just like, why didn't I grab him or suddenly yeah. have superhuman speed, you know, like, yeah. um, and so we were just in there and, and we were in the like waiting room. We had to go to an out of network, you know, thing like our, which is a hospital right down the street from us. Cause we're like, I'm not waiting for an ambulance. Like we're, we live two <laughs> minutes from a hospital right. and, uh, but we, we don't belong to it as far as insurance. So we were just waiting there wondering what was going to happen. And then, uh, I just remember, I was like, let's just pray and just, you know, give God praise. And, um, mm. and I think a lot of times this gets like misconstrued, especially if you're on like a, if, if you're at a point in your spiritual journey where you have no idea who Jesus is, that probably mm. just sounds like a horrible thing to do. So like, why would you thank God for that? And it's, yeah. I'm not, I was not thanking God for that I, at all. I don't think God caused yeah. it. So I'm not going to thank him for it. Right. What I'm thanking him for is that we're okay. I thank you for right. this day. I, and it was, it was because I had heard a pastor say that they had done, been through an experience where they thanked God in the middle of something so terribly horrendous. And he basically said, we're eternal and I will mm. never get the opportunity to praise God in that circumstance mm. in the rest of eternity. It will never be possible again to give him a sacrifice of praise in that moment. And right. that was such a powerful thing that stuck with me where I was like, whoa, because, yeah. because it was like precious, you know, it wasn't just this abstract thing. It was like, God, I'm, I'm choosing this. I, this is ne I'm never going to be able to do this again. And I don't want to but I'm going to sacrifice this praise. And again, not for what yeah. happened, but because of who you are, you're always worthy to be praised, you know, and that kind of is, is along with that verse, you know, it's like, how do you pray without ceasing? And it's like, well, just redefine right. what prayer is and understand that it's not like I kneel and I put my hands together and, you know, it's, it's communicating with God. And so I don't know. I, I, yeah. I think that's a profound a profound shift and and I can notice for sure when I'm not acting that way because everything is annoying <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> and yeah, when you sure. are when you are in tune with it it's almost like everything is a is this weird opportunity that is always there and it's you know so it's it is it, it is like a it's it's a hard thing to live in but it's yeah. it's what makes our life abundant I think just that little bit of being constantly aware of what God could be doing yeah so. no for sure and yeah I can I can relate to those, um, uh, to that same kind of thing of, of finding, um, finding the real meaning of praising God and everything and of, uh, offering, um, offering that and like taking full advantage of the opportunity to praise God in this circumstance. Um, right. even when it's not, 
not a great one, but I mean, also that's the kind of example I want to set for my kids. And like, it stands mm. out when I haven't been setting that example, when they don't act that way, <laughs> you right. know, when they, when they have something happen and they, you know, flip out or do whatever. And I'm like, Oh, they learned that from me. So <laughs> here's a better response. Kids, why don't we stop and pray about this? And, right. and then I'm like, when was the last time I did that <laughs> in that mm -hmm. kind of circumstance? Mm -hmm. Like, no wonder they don't. And if I don't, oh, but that's weird because they, you're, you know? you're a, you're a pastor. So you're, you, you're perfect, right? Like you, yes. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. always. Yeah. Okay. So let's just clear that yeah. up for the audience. Yeah, yeah. That I, I, let's make um, sure yeah. to set you up on that pedestal so that when you fall, we can laugh, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I sometimes like to climb down off of my pedestal and <laughs> just to relate to the set a <laughs> bad example for my kids so that I have a sermon illustration to share later in the week. Yeah. <laughs> That's, so I, it's my week to preach. So this is my week to have a sermon illustration. Right. Based so you on need it. You needed to yeah. mess up just so people could relate to you. You know, right. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to um, use that on my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I needed to mess that. up, honey. I just, so. you, you know, I meant, want to make sure you knew what it was like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so Floyd Laven. Yeah. Speaking of messing up, uh, the world is full of examples of, of messing up and occasionally has an example or two of not screwing up you know, finding a better response. Like we were just talking about, like sometimes we don't get it right. And so I think looking at, okay, what's our natural response and then identifying where that lines up properly with Jesus or not. And then how do we turn it toward him? Right. Yeah. This one I, I stumbled across today actually, and I didn't warn you about it, but I think it opens up the possibility of a really great conversation. And I just remembered about it while we were talking. So, so I, I want to bring this one up first. Have you, do, I forget, do you guys have Disney plus? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So have you watched turning red? No, I it's just, I've Pixar seen it film. advertised, but yeah. Okay. So it's essentially a, um, uh, a coming of age film made by the two main filmmakers in it, the writer directors. I don't know their exact, uh, roles in it, but the, the two creators of the film, uh, are both Canadian Chinese. Mm. And so they're of Chinese descent, but live in Canada. So, um, Interesting. you know, somewhat like Chinese American, uh, but so yeah. the whole film takes place. Like they wrote their middle school experience into a Pixar movie, you know, added in, nice. you know, Disney magic and random stuff. Hence the giant red Panda and all of that. But it's about a middle school girl living in Toronto, um, who's Chinese and the struggles of, you know, living in Ch Chinatown in a, um, a Western English context um uh, cultural context and the differences of that and then it's also about the awkwardness of bodily functions and changes in middle <laughs> school and so turning into a giant red panda is a metaphor for puberty and <laughs> so there's all of that too and they make some pretty obvious jokes about it like the mom you know bringing pads to her kid at school and everything and like embarrassing mm. the junk out of her and it's very cringy and very funny and very hilarious and um, all of that. And I've seen it get blasted in all sorts of different ways for various elements of it, but not what this guy said. So there, there's a reviewer for Cinema Blend who bashed the movie and they pulled the the movie review from their website because uh so check this out. This is on boundingintocomics.com uh, from a couple okay. days ago. It says 
Cinema Blend has pulled its original review of Turning Red and left its author, Sean O'Connell, out to dry after he was accused of being both a sexist and a racist over his opinion that he was not the target audience for Pixar's period narrative centric, period narrative centric coming of age tale. There's too many hyphenated words. Um, so, <laughs> but so it, what he said was a couple of snippets from what he said. He bluntly subtitled, I am not this film's target audience and put forth the thesis that the film was a prime example of how Pixar has turned its reins over to fresh voices and given them the freedom to share deeply personal, though less universal stories. And so he did say films like Onward, Luca, and now the studio's turning red come from the heart without question, the critic admitted, but they also risk alienating audience members who can't find a way into the story beyond admiring the impressive animation that is the Pixar trademark. And so the thing is, though, is that like as they're going to less universal stories, basically what he's saying is you're not making stories about white people anymore, so I can't relate. And those are universally relatable because the universal default for humanity is white people, (laughs) especially American white people, because technically, I think uh, in most circles, Luca, uh, where it takes place in a um, uh, Luca takes place in supposedly like an Italian village. Uh, right. And so that would be still technically white people like they're kind of tan, but, you know, right. they're they're still theoretically in that realm. Um, but it's um, yeah, it wasn't a good take. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> um, what do you what do you think about that uh, idea that um, y- yeah, that uh, Pixar is getting too woke essentially is sort of what he was saying without saying it. <laughs> I don't know because I do. I mean, I've been I've been hating stories since long before they were going woke. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's I've a lot seen of bad animation that has white people. All right, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I watch a lot of anime and a lot of it's real bad, and there's yeah. not a white person to be found. So yeah, well, um, I mean, they kind of draw them like that. They have big eyes and blonde hair. That's that's sort of white. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't know. I heard. I wonder if that's true. I heard that that was like the Anglicanized. You know, like the way they would draw but i'm like i don't know if i guess that's true i i don't know that that seems like an urban legend i'm like it could just be an art choice anyway right yeah um, i don't really know i don't want to get canceled for saying that that's not my opinion um but but i don't know i i don't i'd have to watch that specific thing that just sounds like a dumb thing to say about anything but i do agree there is however okay so this is like handling dynamite but i don't really care (laughs) it's more like if you if you do start telling stories that are just um, not relatable to anyone who is not a specific a specific group of ever smaller denominations. Let's say then I I do think that's that sucks and that's boring. Like mm. you know I like straight up because there is a real like universality quote unquote when it comes to human experience and yeah. but if a good story can can be relatable even if it's about a girl going through puberty and who is Asian in Canada, you know, like, right. I, I'm sure there is stuff in there that is a hundred percent relatable, you know, for someone yeah. like me who is none of those things. For sure. Um, so the line isn't about what race is you know, th- those are weird lines to draw, but if his complaint is this story is too, you know, I could see there could be, I don't know. So let's be very clear. I don't know the movie. I don't know what this guy wrote specifically. 
but there could be some legitimacy to that claim of, hey, this is a story that really only pertains to this group of people, you know, which is as as an anecdote, I heard a comedian who uh, told a, a, a joke about him being or, you know, them being non-binary and um, but it was not it didn't pander and it made everybody laugh and it made everybody feel like we can experience this with you and laugh with you about your experience and not at you. Yeah. And um, I can't repeat the joke because it was <laughs> it was pretty bad, but it was very yeah. it was very funny. I mean, it really was, and it was and it was self deprecating, but not in a in like a really nasty way. Yeah, that is the kind of thing that I I think makes for a good quote unquote good like storytelling or or uh, you know um, relatability is the word. That's the word I'm looking for mm. it, because it's just showing you can step into my world enough for for me to show you something that sucks and you can laugh about it with me, even though you cannot relate to it in any way. And that's really what I think good storytelling does. And and it can yeah. be very exclusionary. Like if, if I tell a joke about brewing yeah. to anyone, it's not funny at all. Like, I mean, or, or if you've never, if you've never handled a pal, like, but, but there is though, because I can relate to a lot of your stuff about brewing and I've never brewed beer ever right but i enjoy okay, but it how about this can you i can relate to, this? to not cooking well or not following instructions right. properly or screw, totally screwing something up that i thought i would yeah. be good at you yeah know? and uh, i mean can you relate to this because you've worked in like a, a lumber yard at one point in your life yeah a um, couple times there it was a picture of a, of a pallet jack and if you don't know what that is then you're not going to get the joke but <laughs> it says yeah. can lift five thousand pounds cannot run over zip tie right <laughs> Yes. And like, that's, that's really funny. If you, you know, like if, if every brewer one. was like, like that got shared in the brewing, like meme things because it was really, it's like, dang it, we've all been there. Yeah. But you know, that's just, right. that's one well, of those things anybody where anybody who's used one of those things yeah. is gonna, is gonna see that. But I think even like with a good meme like that or a good joke like that, it, it's approachable, even if you don't get it, because you can find right. a piece of relatability where it's like 100%. this thing that is incredibly powerful in this one area is right. unbelievably incompetent at this right. other thing that it seems like shouldn't a zip tie right. on the ground shouldn't be able to like hold up literally on the ground is part of what it needs to do. And it can't. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, but, and but, that's like that. And I feel like, uh, you know, there's a whole group of people who have probably never used a pallet jack, but have been on a skateboard with hard wheels before who can totally right. relate to that where it's like, yeah. you know, can roll down at pebble. amazing speeds, but one little pebble and you are toast. Yeah. Um, and that's, but so do you think there is a way, I mean, I can definitely think of the other thing I would say. I have felt this before, specifically, where there's clearly an agenda, and it's mm -hmm. it's this happens. Christians are the worst at this. Let's be real. Let's own that right up front. Yeah. When it comes to like media, like when you can tell, here's our agenda. Here's mm -hmm. a character not doing that thing. Here's another character showing them why they're wrong. Yeah. You know, and and why only dumb people would think that and. And you're dumb if you ever sympathize with this character. I've def I have a hundred percent watched yeah. stuff like that, and I'm not going to name names, but it rhymes with Grey's Anatomy, and <laughs> you know, like Katie was watching it, and I was just like, "What is this? Like, yeah. this is not." It wasn't handling it in a way that it was. It was literally like we're going to define equity now. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, no, through I know. the characters' voices, and, and, and I'm that's like, where that's where wokeism like as a thing i think it gets on both sides it gets way overdone but i yeah. think 
I, I think that happens sometimes. And I, I've definitely watched shows and other things where we're like, wow, this was 90% agenda and 10% storytelling. And so it right. was like poorly done. And the only thing is that like it conflicted, the situation they presented wasn't actually bad, except that it conflicted with their agenda. Like nobody right. did anything wrong, except one person didn't acknowledge whatever it is enough for you instead yeah. of like, you know, like, which is way different from, uh, what was that movie with, um, uh, gosh, I can't think of her name, Hillary Swank, where she dressed up like a boy. Boys don't cry. Boys don't cry. Like yeah. that movie presented some like serious, like dude, like whether you agree with, you know, trans identities or anything else, right. You can't be human and side and with the people that are like torturing yeah. her and and threatening her life and all of yeah. that like like yep. that kind of stuff like it doesn't matter how different you feel like the the perspective on life is the right. response there is hateful and that can't be the right response and, and yeah. so that that's the that's where you know it's like we can all understand like that is not okay now well, I think there you ways, know what I think it really boils down to, to disagree is, without involving right. hate and and bruta and physical brutality. Absolutely, are there ways to dispute that? A hundred percent, but right. it doesn't have to resort to that, and we don't have to pick a side of either. Like what they did was right. wrong, so either they're right or or they're a hundred percent wrong. Instead of maybe we can both say we can disagree in love, and uh, violence is not the right answer. <laughs> Yeah, because I think it, honestly, that's that movie is a good example because I that's an old movie. Like right. I feel like yeah. that, you know, and and I totally remember it, and I just remember being like, ugh, like that yeah. is not cool, you know. Like there was yeah. so much gross stuff in that movie, not because the person is wants to be trans, but because it was just disgusting the way people treated. The, yeah, you know, I the think character. at one point and, there's a there's a, a scene of like dragging where they like chain him to a car yeah. and then like pull yep. like all of that like that is why did anyone ever come up with that like that yeah. that is such because a it's brutal real. and stupid you know? <laughs> not, not for the movie and, I mean why like because yeah. that's based on real events and so exactly. why that's what I mean yeah. why did why did some idiotic redneck think that was an appropriate choice you know right. to do to somebody a hundred percent and that's <laughs> but I I think this is where movies like that used to present it in a way that was not now the way that they're handling something like that is you wouldn't even be allowed to experience the pain with them or see somebody who has a different opinion as a character struggle now you right. just see shame you're not welcomed into if you have a different if you come into this with a different opinion you're not welcome to that opinion you're shamed and right. you're, you're you're asked to leave you know whether th through the writing itself or some yeah. implicit or non-implicitly stated thing. And right. that's what I have a problem with because it feels like you're not allowed to struggle with any of this. You just yeah. need to shut your mouth and listen to us because we're the ones who have wisdom. Yeah. And, 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 and that, that's that where, to me makes me, yeah. that's where I get sick when I think about it. Cause yeah. I'm just like, look, I don't want, that is not how I relate to God. And that's, and I understand that's right. how some people present God is like this thing that you have to do, you know, yeah. because so, I do it and I'm right. And so I don't exactly I think good storytelling in all its forms. It almost is like to borrow from Martin Luther King. It's like, you're just drawing a wider circle, including everybody in the story, even though the story is about a trans woman or a man. Right. You know? Right. And, exactly. And, it's and like, we can relate to 
pieces and where that movie boys don't cry as well as even like, I think turning red where like, right. I don't relate to or feel something in boys don't cry because I can right. relate to being a trans person. Right. I re- what I can relate to is the human experience of not, not feeling like you fit in in certain right. ways. I can relate to the frustration of being hated by others on a core level. Like, and even if I've never experienced it on that level, I can see right. that pain and go, wow, the humanity there, there's something inhuman in such a hateful response towards right. somebody trying to locate that. And there are different ways to respond and to work with people who you don't agree with or don't understand in love and, and come to realizations there. And I think as for both of us in particular, coming back to even like these Disney and Pixar films where they're getting maybe a more nuanced or, or um, you know, a narrowed in story framework. They're really not though. It's just that it's going out of an Anglican framework. Like, you know, um, like I heard a bunch of things going, uh, people getting upset about Lord of the Rings. What's the new show that Amazon's in development? The Rings of Power. Oh, the yeah, new yeah, series. Yeah. And um, and people were really I'm afraid upset. to even look at it. I don't even uh, want to know what. Well, if it's- <laughs> so far it looks like the production quality looks like it's going to be great, and the costumes look solid and everything else. And I I think I heard Peter Jackson still involved. I don't know, but so it looks this like is how overall, the Wheel of Time felt though, and it was garbage. You didn't like Wheel of Time? I thought it was fun. Anyway. Um, But I haven't read the book, so I don't know if it wasn't good, but that's not the point. Uh, But with Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, people are upset that there are a more diverse cast that, you know, like one of the elves is black because and the the defense was, but you're taking it out of its context. Its original context was like J.R.R. Tolkien started the whole thing because like the best myths were all about other cultures and, and the UK didn't have any great ones to right. you know legends like that and so he wanted to write like authentic anglo-saxon kind of legends and um you know based on that kind of the kind of history that the uk has had and, and take it back to like medieval um you know british kind of stuff and right and i get that and that's fine and that's what he wrote but like to modernize the tale and to take stuff that's not even really about like they're not really basing it on his writings anymore. Now they're just taking sort of that universe and expanding it and imagining beyond that. Okay. Well, right. who cares if they made it the, like, it's not going to affect the story in a negative way to diversify the elves, you know, unless you take it super woke and make it like pandering, you know, like, right. look at us. Like if it's all just virtue signaling, then sure. That'll yeah. suck. But like, right. It's not going to be any different. Like if Legolas had been black or Mexican or, or, you know, Japanese, you know, like, okay. If he was like a ninja, yeah, like that wouldn't have affected the story for no. me at all to see that. No. And I think for you and I, who, are both teachers of the word. We take yeah. a 2000 year old text that was written in a very specific context of first century Roman occupied Israel. Right. It's a Middle Eastern culture that's right. very different. It's very different from Western American culture in 2022. And right. so it's a vastly different context. 
but we take the truth in it. We take the depth of story in there and contextualize it for people who, so they can understand the point of, of what that was. So they can grasp the same things that are going on and, and find the human dynamics as we encounter the divine person of God, Yahweh, the, the Trinity, right. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And as we engage those, the, um, those uh, truths and go, oh, this is how Yahweh, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit engaged with people in that time, in these right. circumstances, the truths of how God desires to engage people hold true all the way through. Because while we have changed and our cultures have changed and everything else, God has not changed and his right. desire to engage us has not changed and his mission for us as, as, as believers has not changed. And that's where I think... Like I really enjoy that Pixar does these different or that Disney does these different yeah. things and, and is branching out into these different cultures. And, and some of it, like I have a little more context for having watched a lot of Kung Fu and anime and, and martial arts films and stuff. So like maybe it's not that, you know, culture shocking to me to see that in film. Yeah. But also I think part of the reason I love all that stuff is not because I identify with being a, you know, like I just recently watched Ip Man with Mandy and it's like, I don't identify with being a, a Wing Chun Kung Fu master in during world war one or world war two. <laughs> you know, like, like right. I have no idea how that works. It's, but it's seeing the the struggle and the, the, poor treatment uh by the occupying force and and the brutality and objectification and all of that it's like yeah i can relate to wanting to rebel against anything that looks like that right. and not wanting to accept injustice there's human element here and a cult a different culture was highlighted and that's great there's been plenty of average white dudes who get their day in the sun you know on uh in popular movies like i'm not mad that the main character wasn't chinese which she lives in freaking toronto in modern times right. and so you know like maybe a little she has a tamagotchi and everything you know the right. little like animal pet uh the digital pet thing and so like it's putting it right. back in like the 90s and so but it's mm -hmm. like 90s toronto like all of you know, one of her friends is Asian. Uh, and then the rest, you know, like one of them's like a tall, curly, kinky haired, like redhead or brunette, you know, like with braces. Right. She's a white kid, you know, and like she's just as awkward in different ways. And like it's, you know, and everybody at their school is all different, uh, you know, color and ethnicity and, and background and personality and everything. And it's like, yeah, that's just middle school. Like that, that's just what it looks like if you're not in a tiny, homogenous, town um you know and and so it didn't like hyper focus in on like one family that you don't get to see anything else of you you get a whole picture of it and i, I don't think it prevents us from engaging and i think instead it, it actually is a good picture of like the same thing of like calling people to uh, be able to identify in right. a different culture and recognize um truth and human and and um universal human experience throughout different cultures um, is really, really important. And so I think this guy, uh, man, he needs to sit in a good church. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's rough. Yeah, I, I think mean, that would help. I think every, every story is, if it touches some universal truth, you know, that's kind of beneath some human experience and it's done in a way, it doesn't really matter what mm -hmm. the subject matter is about. I mean, that's why I like there's certain novels that I've taken a chance on, you know, like if I've read a fantasy novel that didn't sound interesting to me, but someone recommended it 
And then I'm like, well, this was so cool because it was, yeah. fr you know, I read one about like a warrior nuns recently, you know, which just sounds like a yeah. dumb, <laughs> dumb idea. It, but it was really good, you know, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> warrior it was really nuns? Good. It's called, um, the first one's called Red Sister. Um, but okay. <laughs> it, 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 again, I just, I would never have chosen that subject matter. And if you told me what it was about, I'd be like, eh, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I still want to see Velocipaster. Velocipaster? <laughs> yeah, it's like a not even a B movie. It's like way down the scale, like F. Yeah. I don't know. M. Um, Q. M. M, M for, for must moronic. not see. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's like a really bad movie about a pastor. Uh, I think really a Catholic priest who goes into the jungle, just like gets infected by the spirit of a dinosaur and then like turns into like fights crime by turning into a giant velociraptor totally that common. eats people. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like the worst premise and everything, but it, Oh man, saving souls and taking lives, you know, and saving souls and shredding fools. I don't know like what the thing is, but <laughs> all right. Anyway, you had, you had a real point, I think in there somewhere. Nope. That was it. <laughs> all right good no i, I think gonna, i'm I think gonna go back and good. edit this Let's later and be like no. oh man <laughs> yeah. no i i was just i Wait. was just saying i was just tacking on kind of what you were built what, what you're saying it subject matter is kind of irrelevant if the story's good it really is yeah and and people can tell when you're pandering to them and nobody really likes it and people who say they like it i'm not going to say they're lying but i would be very suspect about when you yeah. see something that's so i don't like I'm, I really love Jesus. I do not like Christian movies. Genuinely have a dislike for them. Right. Because they're so... Yeah, they're almost all bad. They're so thick with this insincerity that's only... Everybody in mm -hmm. the thing plays their role perfectly, and it's nothing like the messiness of real life. Nobody cusses. Nobody nobody has real problems. Nobody mm -hmm. has... And it doesn't yeah. deal with... Because, or when they do, the solution is super lame. Yeah. and Or, or they're offering this... Sometimes they're offering like a watered down Jesus, you know, um, yeah. where it's all about how hard, Oftentimes. you know, just try harder to be a better person. And I'm like, that's the opposite of what Jesus teaches, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, that's the Joel Osteen gospel. That's very different. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's, it's just the, if you, if you're doing your job as a storyteller, there's beautiful, wonderful things to be told. Even if the, even if through the yeah. eyes of a Asian Canadian uh, that's turning into a panda yeah. or whatever. I, I have very Never little interest that. in watching this movie, even after talking about it. But if I ever see it, you know, maybe I'll, <laughs> yeah. maybe it'll be great. You know, that's the thing is that. Well, and it was, it was like cringefully hilarious and awesome. And my girls were, you know, like alternately plugging their ears, covering their eyes and screaming and also laughing their faces right. off. And, you know, cause they're right at that age, they're sixth graders. So they're, they're like watching like real life happen, but on screen in front of them, plus a panda. But, but I think like even biblically, um, it makes me think, you know, like, like that critics response, like I'm not the right audience for this. Well, that movie creator wasn't the right audience for any of the films that you feel like you related to. And it really like to have that kind of response is like the guy who goes to Jesus and is like, well, who's my neighbor? Right. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're not, that's not a, a valid excuse for us as believers or for humans in general, but especially as believers, like we don't get to draw lines and say like, but that's outside of my culture or context or doesn't feel not my circus, not my monkeys. 
you know, kind of a thing like, no, we should be able to engage with and empathize with the human condition in all of its forms and find grace and love and compassion within that. So uh, the one other thing I want to, so last month, Dua Lipa was on Stephen Colbert's show. She has, is launching a podcast. And so he was like, well, here, you know, you want to show us a little bit of what you got? Like you be the interviewer for a second. And she asks this really great question about how do your faith and comedy overlap? And then his answer, I think, is a really cool exploration of what evangelism or just living out your faith can really look like. And so I, I want to hear this and then I, I want to um, talk about it. So go ahead and uh, play the clip as she's trying to ask the question. Um, so I think something that your uh, viewers really connect with in your comedy and your hosting skills, yeah. especially in the like past few years, is how open and honest and authentic you are about the role your faith plays in your life. Oh, that's and I was wondering, is there any you know, does your faith in your... Okay, real quick. This is why people misunderstand how hard it is to interview people properly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's she's making this so hard. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, it it is really tough, but she does ask a really great question here. And so... For sure. um, does your faith in your comedy ever overlap? And does one ever win out? I think ultimately us all being mortal, the faith will win out at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Get to heaven, Jesus has a sense of humor. (laughs) But I will say this, I will say this. Uh, Someone was asking me earlier about what I, this this relates to faith because my faith is involved with, I'm I'm a Christian and a Catholic and that's always connected to the idea of um, love and sacrifice being somehow related and giving yourself to other people and that death is not defeat, if you, if you can see where I'm getting at there. Someone was asking me earlier, what movie did I really enjoy this year? And I said, well, I really like Belfast, which is Kenneth Branagh's story of his childhood. And one of the reasons I love it is that mm. I'm Irish and uh, Irish American, and it's such an Irish movie. Um, and I think this is also a Catholic thing because it's, it's funny and it's sad, and it's funny about being sad. <laughs> In the same way, that sadness is like a little bit of an emotional death, but not a defeat if you can find a way to laugh about it. Because that laughter keeps you from having fear of it. And fear is the thing that keeps you from turning to evil devices to save you from the sadness. As Robert Hayden said, we must not be frightened or cajoled into accepting evil as our deliverance from evil. We must keep struggling to maintain our humanity, though monsters of abstraction threaten and police us. So if there's some relationship between my faith and my comedy, it's that no matter what happens, you are never defeated. You must understand and see this in the light of eternity and find some way to love and laugh with each other. Yeah. Yeah, everybody. That was good. <laughs> so that quote, and I mean, I don't have the script in front of me, so just based on us having heard that, right? I, I think so much of Christian response to the world right now has been more like that reviewer we were talking about with Turning Red, where right. people look at a way to kind of otherize everybody, you right. know, and say like, oh, well, you know, CRT is the devil or wokeism is the devil or all of this stuff. And it's like, yeah, there can be bad things in all of it, but like there are horrendous 
you know, child molesters who, you know, are clergy in places and and then churches that cover that garbage up instead of um outing it and and purifying uh you know the the church and instead of finding ways to cast things out to or to you know find a really offensive way to talk about faith to but to be living in a way where Stephen Colbert is approachable enough that the random young girl who's a guest on his show feels comfortable enough to throw out that thing and go, Hey, so we all know that you have faith. How does that play into your comedy? And then his response, I thought was a really cool evidence of one, the way that he lives in the secular entertainment world as a Christian and um, even in his response that he didn't use that as an opportunity to be like, yeah, and you're going to burn in hell, you filthy witch, you know? <laughs> right. Well, cause it's, it's interesting because Jesus was obviously people, <laughs> I think this is where Christians in America particularly have a hard time with somebody voting Democrat because they believe that that's mm. unholy and unclean. And <clears throat> it's, it's tricky because totally right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's tricky because if you look at you look at what the gospel is about, this is where I would argue that so Colbert has been accused of being extremely woke and most people I know who don't like wokeism are conservative and a lot of them are Christian but not all of them. Um I know a lot of people who are classically liberal atheists, you know, background that hate this you know, this current culture a lot Mm. because it seems antithetical to what a lot of what they believed liberalism was for. Yeah. Um, so I get people on both sides of the spectrum of faith hating this thing. And I have people on both sides of the faith who love this thing. Mm. And so, you know, for sure, I know Christians who are literally wanting to, I mean, this is a stupid example that I do think is absolutely wrong, but they want to repent of their whiteness. And I'm like, cool. I mean, take that up with God. He's the one who made you that way. So, and you know, and that's a silly thing because I know what they, I think I know what they mean and I still think it's dumb. I still think it's wrong. Um, Yeah. But there is not, there is other aspects of it of like, how is it fair that there's so many, um, there's such a wide gap between the rich and and the poor. And it's like, that's a great question to ask. Um, How, how is it that black um, Hispanic kids the, uh, like how come you can grade them basically or not grade them like you can see this um uh st- stratification that's the word i was thinking of grading like as it re- like yeah. surveying you know okay, what i mean i got it yeah <laughs> like uh it was the wrong word but i i do a lot of work with dirt so <laughs> i'm like i'm like grading how do you grade the surface like you know, yeah. yeah the striations that's the word but uh, you know how c- you can see this stratification even now of um generational wealth building and and all mm. these things and and it's not good and and but i think sensibly you can you can look at somebody i think as long as you're holding on to sensibility when you're talking mm. about these things from a political standpoint if you're talking about just faith and just jesus then you can make the argument that he's he was a perfect communist in in him in a lot of his advice <laughs> You know, you yeah. can make that argument and, and with a straight face and, yeah. but you can also see him saying, I'm not going to overthrow the government and I'm not going to mm-hmm. make it look like my kingdom. 
my kingdom is here already. And so it's not a prescription for us to apply this to our systems and our institutions. It's just a thing that is there already. So if you want to take it just politically, as soon as we leave behind our ability to look at our neighbor as our neighbor from either side Mm -hmm. of of the faith aisle and either side of the political aisle, I think that's when we lose so much because then we're just interested in shaming or winning and not so yeah. much interested in in trying to get along in in a in a way that shows love and and perhaps um shows someone what the kingdom of god is like because again i probably sound like a dead horse that's beating a record but um <laughs> i i genuinely think you can't argue somebody into the kingdom of heaven i think if somebody's yeah. seeking they'll be open to reason especially if they're uh, a, a an analytical person but yeah. I think it's ultimately his kindness that calls us to repentance. It's his, it's his compassion. Yeah. It's the fact that he will both expose you for the sinner that you are, but not mm-hmm. for the sake of your destruction, but for the yeah. sake of your salvation so that he can show you, I know all this stuff about you and I'm not showing it so that you'll die. I'm showing it that you know that my grace is so much more than this. This is yeah. as a, a, a speck of dust in, in the great, you know, in the greatness of the vacuum of space. That's how little this really matters. If you'll just come to me because I have dealt with it. And so this is where I have a lot of Christian friends that have lost their compassion for anybody who espouses any, um, left, left leaning ideology because they just can't believe it. They can't believe that anybody would believe that. Yeah, I don't think that's the right move. I think it's just we have to see why would somebody think that? Why would they believe that? There must be some goodness right. in that to, for them in that in that way of not like, you know, moral goodness, but there's something in yeah. there that they think is right. You know? Yeah. Well, and and there's a lot of absolutism on the wrong issues, placed in the wrong places, and so we've gotten away from God's way is absolutely right, and therefore everybody should be judged on that or you know like our agreement with people should be based on how much they agree with god's way or even like in individual circumstances like man you know i love you and i am for you and 100 percent. and yet there will be some things where i'm going to be like heck no <laughs> right you know and and that's not and that's because like it, it's going to be you know if there's something that you say or do that completely violates the idea that you know Jesus or that you love your family or you know that you're being a, a godly man, you know, I'm going to say like, hey, dumb, you know, dummy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I was trying to say there, <laughs> knucklehead. I was I trying do. to say knucklehead and <laughs> yeah, um, but you know I'm going to say, hey, come on, dude, don't be an idiot and uh, you know pull it together. Right. And and do the right thing. And that because the standard is Jesus following his ways, really, ultimately, even any category of like being a decent human or being a good dad or a good husband, all comes back to following Jesus. Well, really, I mean, that's where the standard truly comes from. And um, but there's so much out there where we've decided that our political party is the standard and then I followed or I celebrate the ways of Jesus as long as they, you know, agree with my political ideologies right. or with my favorite candidates, current position or attitude on things. And it's like, 
you know, like I saw a tweet earlier uh, and I can't find it now, but I saw a guy who pointed out like, and whether you voted for him or not, or whether you think that he's lived up to it or not, it was just a sad irony that perfectly explains some of the stuff you just mentioned, um, where, where he pointed out that um, it was uh, a little over a year ago when Biden was inaugurated. And he said, I just watched our new president of the United States um, at his inauguration, um, you know, like claim, you know, quote a Bible verse, uh, you know, talk about, uh, you know, prayer or say something in the name of Jesus and then um, or, you know, acknowledge his Catholic faith or something like that. I think Biden's a Catholic. I don't remember. Um, and then and then take a moment to silently pray for our country and call right. for a moment of silent prayer He's like and immediately Twitter is lighting up with statements like here's the end of it being okay to follow Jesus in this country. Right. And he's like, just the, the pure ironic horror of where our culture stands. And, and I totally get that kind of thing because it's like, we create an absolute that like, okay, well, like we were talking about, like there's some wokeness stuff that is just completely off the rails and ridiculous. And, but that doesn't mean that any slightly, liberal ideology politically is evil just because it happens to be espoused by, you know, some people who are, you know, overly woke and that like, man, maybe it would do us some good to occasionally consider that, you know, racism is still a bad thing and it still exists. And like, and even like you mentioned, like the repenting of whiteness, like on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to apologize because I have white skin. However, I can acknowledge the idea that that has brought me some cultural, um, you know, benefits at times where and even just the lack of having to acknowledge some of the negative connotations for people of color in various situations in our country and to recognize, man, I don't have to I don't have to apologize for my skin being white just because somebody else with a different color skin has experienced bad things. But I can do the work of exploring are there places where I have unrighteously benefited in or taken advantage of my opportunity to ignore Mm -hmm. problems of race in our country and pretend like they don't exist or diminish the experiences of people of color in those I think that's more where there's a legitimate call to the idea of whiteness being the white people's equivalent of like what that reviewer was saying about turning red, like, you know, and, and given in the white context, man, this, you know, there's a war against white people. Like, no, what you're seeing is recognizing diversity and going, Hey, white people aren't the majority in this situation. And I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. Right. And there are people legitimately complaining about those kinds of things or like now they want to make our churches diverse. Yeah. Like you're going to be real upset with how heaven looks. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and yeah. like white people weren't that into Jesus at first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like they yeah. were super pagan background culturally for us Western, you know, Anglo-Saxon, Caucasian, um, you know, ethnicities uh, weren't the first Christians by any stretch right. of the imagination. Right. And, you know, like all y'all like super reformed white people claiming Augustine, you know, he was from Africa, right? <laughs> like, I think, yeah, it just. It's, everybody just needs to chill, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that, that's what it's all about, man. But, um, yeah, just, I think 
relax. Everybody relax and just take a second to think because it's so silly yeah. how much we're just our off the cuff, you know, feelings about anything is what must be true. And it's just silly because mm-hmm. there's no, you know, we, we don't know everything about someone just because they, they wear a mask when they're driving alone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But you know, like that doesn't mean, I don't, I don't know who they voted for based on that, but I could guess, you know, but no, but it's, it's really, (laughs) it's one of those things where you don't, you know, I'm, I'm joking. It's funny to think I'm making a joke, but 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 it's ultimately saying bringing up up something like that. No, no, no. You've talked, you've talked a lot. Okay. (laughs) 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 Quick point to add to what you're saying theologically people will hear a theological stance right and the thing that angers them is that that's a tip off to them that you voted a certain way more yeah, not, not than that, the that point is wrong. was wrong <laughs> like, yeah you like that part of the bible you must have voted for biden yeah like, well my uh, <laughs> yeah i think it's but it's so hard not to do this that you really have to take a conscious effort it kind of goes back to just abiding it's just a, abiding in christ Mm-hmm. And, and what do you think about this? You know, what do you think about yeah. that? When you hear something, what do you think about this person? How should I love them? It really, yeah. you know, don't be shocked when Jesus is like, why don't you pick up your cross and die? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, so I'm not supposed to own this guy in a, in a moral debate, huh? Yeah. No, <laughs> that's not, yeah. that's not what it's about, dude. And <laughs> And that's really offensive. And that's the good kind of offense. That's the stumbling block of Christ because yeah, you're not, it's not supposed to be a self-esteem massage to follow Jesus <laughs> and be, and be zealous for a thing. Yeah. You're supposed to follow him and ask, you know, let his spirit live through you. It's no longer I that live, but Christ in me. Right. And if that's true, then you can't be flying off the handle at everybody for, slight disagreements on stuff that really doesn't matter in eternity. Right. So, so be um, right for Jesus. <laughs> Scott, uh, thanks man. It's, it's always, uh, always a good time talking with you and, and hearing your perspective on this. I really enjoy the, uh, the, the time chatting with you. So thanks for yeah, too. doing this again with me, man. And, um, be, be rad for Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Be Rad for Jesus podcast. We have more show coming up, so don't go anywhere just yet. Up next, our interview today is with Jessica Geiger, youth pastor, worship pastor, TikTok star. She's pretty incredible. Can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Stick around at the end of the show for ways to connect with Jessica, how you can connect with and support our show. And now is a great time. If you're enjoying this episode, go ahead and leave a review, hit that five-star button, tell somebody what you love about it, share it with a friend, and that really helps us out a ton. Speaking of supporting the podcast, we have a quick message from our sponsor and then our interview with Jessica Geiger because she is rad for Jesus. So I'm here with Jessica Geiger. Am I saying that right? Geiger? Yes, you are. Yes, okay. it's Geiger. Geiger. I'm here with Jessica Geiger, and she is a youth pastor. She's a TikTok 
superstar. This probably is <laughs> just slight exaggeration. And I can't wait for you to hear all about this. Jessica, tell us a little about yourself. Clarify my claims of your epicness on, <laughs> on TikTok and all of that. Who are you? Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. I'm really yeah. excited to be here. So, yeah. So my name is Jessica Geiger. I am a youth pastor and a worship pastor at my church. Um, awesome. I've been a youth pastor for um, almost four years. This will actually be my fourth year now. So um, it's been great. I started um, being a youth pastor when I was 18. So pretty much right out of high school, I started being a youth pastor at my new church that I had just started attending. And it was definitely a God thing um, for me to get there. But I've also been the worship pastor at my church for almost two years now. So I've been doing both for a while, which I love doing both. Um, and yeah, I'm on TikTok as well. I uh, joined TikTok just really honestly to connect with my students more. It wasn't even like I wasn't getting on there to get followers or anything. It's just my students were on there and I was like, okay, I want to be relevant with them somewhat. So I started making all these videos just for them. And then mm -hmm. it turns out other people liked it too. And I was like, all right, well, cool. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed um, seeing your stuff. I've been following you on TikTok for a while now and um I, I caught that vibe of like, hey, this is more a lot of times geared directly toward your students. There's a lot of contextual pieces to your videos, but it did. It was it was appealing beyond that. And I think a really cool example for how youth ministers and, and youth leaders and stuff can engage on TikTok in a way that's intentional uh, for their students. And the fact that your content reached beyond your intended audience, I think is proof that you were hitting the right thing because let's be honest a lot of the time the students don't care about the very ministry focused pieces we put out they don't just want more advertising they they want to really connect with us okay after some technical difficulties with microphones we are back and we were just hearing about how you are a worship leader you are the worship pastor at your church. You're the youth pastor at your church. What an amazing and busy and unfortunately somewhat stereotypical way to serve your church. So many youth pastors uh, have to have uh, musical ability uh, yeah. as well. Um, but I think it I think it helps a lot, especially in in the youth. You don't always have the opportunity to you know have like a staff worship leader or something. So if you don't have right. That, ability somewhat it, it can make things really difficult to include worship in yeah for sure and stuff um but let's let's roll it back a little bit in your life and i'd love to hear what um so here on the be rad for jesus podcast our theory is that following jesus should be radically different and radically awesome and yeah. the first major time we tend to encounter that is when we fully place our trust and faith in Jesus. So how did you become a Jesus follower and what did he do that was so radically awesome and or different uh, that it changed your life? Yeah. Um, so I always grew up in a Christian household. I was raised by a single mom. Um, she did a great job raising me. Um, we always went to church. I was always plugged into the youth ministry. Um you know, I really think that maybe in my lifetime, I've missed just a couple of Sundays. Um, <laughs> that was not a thing. We didn't miss church. 
So, yeah, I mean, my whole life growing up, um, I had great godly influences, whether it was from my mom, um, even my grandma. I had an amazing youth pastor growing up that um, mentored me and um, helped me become the youth pastor that I am today. So um, really, God has always set godly men and women on my path to lead me and um, help me become the person I am today as a minister and, um, you know, just as a Christian. Um, you know, for me, a lot of Christians can look back and say, oh, this is my salvation birthday, you know, like Mm -hmm. this is my, the day I was saved. And I don't really have that because I was really active in church pretty much my whole life. Like that's all I've ever Mm -hmm. known. So I can't point back and be like, oh, that's the exact day that I was saved. It's just one of those things. I just, I know I'm saved because I've just, you know, I've always loved Jesus and, Um, so yeah, I mean, church has always been a huge part of my life and, um, I feel like my whole life I've had a burning passion for God, um, as long as I can remember. So, um, yeah, that's my experience with, you know, salvation or coming to know Jesus is that. Dude, that's rad. I, um, don't discount that as a testimony to God's faithfulness and, and goodness in your life. Oh yeah. I hope that that is my, I have two daughters. I hope that's their testimony in right. 10, 15, 20 years. You know, yeah. like I hope that they're telling people I don't have a, I was on the streets and I didn't know what to do. And then when right, I was in jail right. for the third time, that's when the Holy spirit, you know, revealed himself. Like, exactly. I hope that they're like, I was raised in church. I was baptized when I was young and right. I have known from a very young age that Jesus is Lord. And I have been following him with everything I've got since as long as I can remember. And I hope that you do too, because it's the best thing in the world. Like, I hope that's their testimony. That's the goal in raising my kids to know them. I'm not hoping that, you know, like, all right, we're going to kick you out, give you a wicked testimony, and then you can come back when you got a cool story. So I think that is an amazing story of of faithfulness. So um, that's awesome. I, I really, yeah, I really love to hear that. I do have a question on, so being raised in all of that, when did you know you were called to ministry? Yeah, I love that question. And I kind of was going to touch on that there, but I was like, oh, I'll wait. But um, so when I was growing up, uh, I think I was about four or five years old when I realized I was called to ministry. Mm. Um, We were at a revival at our church. It was like a Sunday night revival, which was really typical back when I was four or five. We don't really do those much anymore, but um, we had like a guest evangelist come in Mm. and she was giving this altar call. And uh, I went up you know, cause I just was like, heck yeah, you know, we're in church. Let's do this thing. I love yeah. Jesus. Like, let's go up there. And, uh, she actually, um, prophesied over me that I was going to be a voice to the nations and that I was going to see thousands saved, um, that the Lord is going to give me a passion for souls. Um, I mean, it was very specific and I knew in that mm-hmm. moment, like, okay, this is what I was made to do, whether it's being a youth pastor, whether it's being a worship pastor. Um, Mm -hmm. I've always felt really called to be an evangelist, which I've been able to pursue that this year more. Um, You know, just in a couple of weeks, I'll be going to Wisconsin to preach at a youth group there. So that's cool. I know I'm so excited because the Lord's really opening doors for evangelism for me right now. But Mm. uh, I've always felt called to do that specifically. Mm. Um, And I've had a heart for evangelism and just reaching the lost. Um, but yeah, so I felt called to ministry when I was about four or five years old, and I've clung wow. to that promise my whole life. Now, there have been like bumps in the road. Um, sure. I said this on 
another podcast I did, but, uh, you know, when you're a kid, you have this childlike faith and you're like, Oh sweet. I'm called a ministry. That's so cool. Then you get older and you realize like bills are a thing. And, (laughs) um, you realize like the food that's in your refrigerator, like it didn't just magically appeared like somebody paid Mm -hmm. for that. Um, and so I kind of got stressed (laughs) as I got older. I was like, how am I going to do this as a career? Like, okay, God, I accept the calling. This is great. This is so cool. How do you make mm-hmm. money just like doing ministry? <laughs> and I, yeah. honestly, it really stressed me out for a while. And, um, you know, I, I made excuses. I was like, oh, well, maybe I could be like a flight attendant and then like occasionally like lead worship. <laughs> and, you know, like that would work. Yeah. Right. But um, all my life, God has always sent pastors or evangelists or mentors um, along mm-hmm. the way to remind me of that promise that, no, mm-hmm. you are called to this. You were made to do this. And you know, it's been the most worthwhile thing I've ever done with my life. And so, you know, starting as a youth pastor at 18 years old was just confirmation to me, like, okay, God's got me, like, you know, yeah. we're going to do this. So, um, that's awesome. yeah, I mean, that's how I felt called to ministry. That's, <laughs> that's the, so cool, man. That's the story. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, man, I just, I'm having like crazy flashbacks as you're, um, sharing that I, I knew, for a long time that I was called into ministry. Uh, but I, I wrestled with not having been raised in church, not having any context for like Bible college or anything. So I had no idea how to take steps toward doing anything in that, uh, realm and, um, and knowing I was called, but I didn't tell very many people that because it felt like a, you know, a bit of like one, I wasn't ever sure, you know, I picked up pretty quickly on like different kinds of churches, are less interested in talking about the Holy spirit very openly. And so right. like when you say, God told me something, some people are like, burn the witch. And right. some people are like, hallelujah. what do he say? You know? And, yeah. so, and then the whole range in between. And so it was really like, I picked up on that pretty quick that like, this is not always a safe thing to address. Right. Uh, but I remember being in a, a, like college guys, Bible study hangout group, you know, um, over at my buddy's house and we were just chatting and then it, turned to praying over one another. And, um, this one random night, I remember two different guys prophesying things like that over me that like, man, I see you preaching to multitudes. And wow. I was like, I was like, wow, that's crazy. Cause I've literally like spoken to you guys, <laughs> you know, like wow. I, and I'm not even leading this Bible study. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm just here. And I haven't really told very many people that I know or that I feel like I'm called to ministry, but I, and I was really wrestling with maybe I'm not. And if I'm not like, what if I do it anyway? And I just ruin it. You know, what if I'm the worst thing to happen to the church since, you know, Satan. Yeah. And oh, gosh. like, I, I was like, so in my head about how yeah. wrong that could go and how I would lead, uh, you know, lies, lies from the enemy. Um, somehow that I, that thought got in my head and, um, it, it, I can point back to so many moments where unsolicited comments came where people by the Holy spirit saw what God was doing in me, saw what God was calling me to and called it out. And so specifically, and I've got like journal entries of like, you know, five, six, 10 years apart that match of like, this guy said this in, you know, 2007. And then I saw the fruit of that in 2015. Wow. You know, and like saw that come to fruition then. 
And like, yeah. and I remember like coming back from a mission trip and texting a friend and being like, dude, do you remember this? And he's like, barely. And I'm like, well, it was big for me. But anyway, this just right. happened on this mission trip and it totally fulfilled what you prophesied at that point in incredible. And just, you know, like, man, God is so cool. And if we're willing to pay attention and follow, I just, uh, yeah, uh, hearing those kind of moments is, is exciting to me. I just, man, I love, love hearing about uh, that yeah. kind of stuff. And for you at a young age, um, you know, my kids for a long time have been like, can I like, you know, like one of them really wants to be a veterinarian and she's like, oh, cool. can I be a vet and a preacher? Like, right. Yeah. If that's what God wants to do, you can preach like, if hey, God hey. calls you to it. And if not, then don't do it. <laughs> but, for real. Um, but I mean, they both have a really deep heart for the Lord and for evangelism and like unsolicited. We planted a church and they started praying, God, raise up more people to plant more churches. Wow. And I'm like, we don't even talk about that. Wow. Like, you know, like we're in the midst of it, but we don't say like what we need to be doing is praying for more churches to start. Like they just picked up on that is clearly part of the mission. That's amazing. And because it's just part of the conversation. It's not a direct, like, this is what we need to pray about kids. You know? So right. I love that. I love that they picked that up, but, um, which that leads me into, into more uh, question about, and, and maybe it's that call, but I have a feeling that there are more answers to this question. Yeah. What is, if there's something that stands out, what is the raddest or just most amazing thing that Jesus has done in your life? So really, um, yeah, you know, there's been so many things <laughs> that's like such a hard question to pick one, but um, sure. Give me the highlight I, reel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I think for me, a huge part of like answered prayers and confirmation for me about my future with ministry, mm. just when I was given that opportunity to become a youth pastor at 18, you know, mm. I had just changed churches. I had been um, attending a church for about 10 years and I felt like God was calling me to, you know, step into a new season. Um, mm. so I took a huge leap of faith and went to a new church. Um, and I mean, the door to become the youth pastor at one of the campuses was just wide open. Like it was such a God thing. Um, I hadn't even been attending that church, but maybe three months. And they yeah. were like, hey, uh, want to come preach to the youth at this other campus? And I was like, uh, heck yeah. So um, <laughs> it really was just a God thing. And the fact that those pastors and those leaders had the faith in me, you know, to give an 18 year old that opportunity to trust yeah. me with other 18 year olds that were in that youth group, you know? Um, so that was just like, that, that was huge. Um, because that was the confirmation, like, okay, I can do this. I can make it work. And, um, really my first few years of being in ministry, I can't complain, you know, like I've had really, um, big wins. I've had a really supportive church staff. Um, my That's students awesome. are just like, they're the best. Um, so really, you know, I, I, I don't have a horrible, like, I feel like a few people when they first start ministry, ministry kind of leaves a bad taste in their mouth, you know, cause they're like, Oh man, this was rough. <laughs> but I feel yeah. like I was really fortunate with my first set of students and, um, mm -hmm. the students I have now, um, you know, it's just been great, but you know, for me, I think it's, it's that the Lord opened that door for me to become a youth pastor at 18. That was a huge mm -hmm. God thing. Um, yeah. But as a youth pastor, when, when I see some students come in and, you know, they're not on yeah. fire for God, they're just there because their parents are making them go or, 
you know, mm-hmm. they're just, they're just there, you know, um, yeah. the biggest win I think in my life is when I see that light bulb moment go off for them of like, Oh, God actually is real. God actually loves me. Um, mm-hmm. it makes what I do so worth my time. Um, yeah. and so I think, you know, those moments where I see that one student that I really pray for when they, you know, get saved, um, that's huge. Um, yeah. that's a huge God thing. And, um, right now I've got a ton of students, like they feel called to be worship pastors. They feel called to be youth pastors and, um, yeah. you know, they're, they're still really young, but I 100% believe in them because my gosh, if God called me at four, he can call them at 12, you know? Right. So, um, I, I just think those are huge things like, yeah, seeing no, we can never, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're I, good. You're good. I, I just, yeah, we, I, I think we're, even like you're kind of like you were saying about your testimony, you know, yeah. that um, we're so quick in um, in the church and, and, and not that it's a bad thing to have highlighted some of the really incredible transformations that, that we see. But like and I see, you know, I remember sitting with a bunch of kids. Um, we had an early morning Bible study. And so for a little while, I tried like, hey, let's watch a bunch of I am second videos. And I remember like we were watching uh I can't remember what the first one was, but it was some, you know, kind of rocker lifestyle thing. And then the next one was Brian Welch from Corn. Yeah, and, I've seen uh, that one. And and my students were like, "That's really cool," but I literally have like nothing to relate to that. Like, I'm a middle class white kid. I'm yeah. not in a band. I don't do drugs. Like, right. I'm in middle school. <laughs> like, yeah. how do I relate? Like, that's really cool, but that doesn't connect to my life at all. And, and I tried to like present like part of what that's about, like, man, but look at what God can do. If he can do that, what could he do in your life? And they're like, I don't know. I'm not on heroin. So what, you know, what does that have to do? Like they have trouble making that leap to, you know, mundanity in their life. Like where, where does this connect to just regular stuff? God can heal me from, you know, maybe debilitating sickness and, you know, crippling addiction can he just take care of the fact that I can't stop fighting with my brother and sister and I can't manage, I can't figure out how to get my brain to listen to my parents most of the time. And so I just fight with them and kind of hate my life always, but there's nothing really wrong with it. I'm just miserable. Where's Jesus in that? And it's like, yeah, that's a very different piece, but that miracle, the mundane miracle of watching students go from, indifference a lot of times is the biggest thing indifference to church and everything else to wow i get this like that is the hugest miracle that like you realize that there's purpose for your existence and it has to do with having a relationship with your creator exactly and your savior we preached about that on sunday Uh, my wife is our uh, co-pastor we're both ordained and so she was uh, preaching on sunday and she talked about um, the Jesus sending out the 72 in Luke and, um, and how, you know, they come back and they're like, we were even casting out demons. And he's like, don't rejoice that you, spirits listen to you rejoice that your name's written in heaven. Right. Like that. He's like, you're not even catching the point of this. <laughs> like yeah, you can go exactly. out to show off and be like, I could cast out demons. Watch me. You know, it was, let me tell you about the kingdom and get you enrolled in the roster of the, the kingdom of heaven for eternity. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. And um, it's funny that you were like, well, I was thinking about sharing this because I was like, I want to ask about like in youth ministry, yeah. what that what that looks like. Um, 
I, I love hearing about this for somebody who has been raised in church, has been following Jesus for a long time. You've been serving in vocational ministry from a very young age. Where do you notice fo- that following Jesus is a radically different path than the world around you? Kind of, you had sent me some questions um, beforehand. Yeah. And so I was, I was looking over some of those and, you know, before we got on here to record the podcast. And I think the biggest thing for me, I don't understand how people get by without him. I don't understand mm. how, you know, when you go through the loss of a loved one, I don't know mm-hmm. how people get by without the love, the peace, the joy that only Jesus can provide, that only the Holy Spirit can provide. You know, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our counselor. And I don't know how the world gets through, you know, COVID-19. I don't know how you get through all these stressors and, you know, bad news and loss of a loved one and sickness. Like, you know, it's hard enough for Christians. Like when you lose, you know, a family Mm -hmm. member, when you're diagnosed with some sort of illness, like it's already hard enough for Christians. But I think about the world and I'm like, how do y'all do it? Like, right. You know, like, I'm like, I know I'm not enough. I'm not strong enough on my own, but as a Christian, it's so comforting to know I don't have to be enough. Like where I end is just the beginning of him and who he is. And so, um, you know, I think that that's life with Jesus is so much different than what the world has to offer. Because like when you're doing life with him, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to find peace or hope or comfort in yourself. Um, the world's going to tell you, Oh, well, read the self-help book. Well, no, read the Bible. That's the best right. self-help book out there. Um, yeah. so, and realize it's not about yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There you go. I mean, you know, so I think with that question, I don't know if that really answers, but no, I was thinking about that earlier. It's just like, sure. I don't understand how people do life without him. You know, yeah. like he is, he is life. He is my yeah. life. It reminds me of the, the memes I see on, you know, like TikTok and stuff where people are like, people ask me if I need, if you really need Jesus to go to heaven, I'm like, bro, you need Jesus to go to Walmart. There like, you go. Yeah. That's the truth. So, <laughs> yeah. Don't step into any of this without Jesus. Cause you're going to yeah. fall short and, and miss the point. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's so good. You know, you're a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor yeah. for a long time. Uh, in youth ministry, uh, at some point, even if we don't make it a regular part of our services, you got to play a game here and there. And so my youth pastor heart would not be content to have a chat with another youth pastor without playing a little bit of the game. And I did ask you some, um, some random questions uh, about yourself to, to get some, some fodder for this. And so, um, um, you know, the Jesus juke, we want to find something random and turn it back to Jesus. Uh, you know, and somewhat, maybe it's, maybe it turns out to be legit. Maybe it's a little ridiculous. I'm okay. Either yeah. way. The point is to have fun and hopefully highlight Jesus. So you mentioned as a worship leader and you're down with the Mav city because they are great. Oh right? yeah. Um, so give us your best intro to a Maverick city song. Yeah. Wow. So wait, am I singing right now? I'm like, no, so no. Oh, what, if you want to sing, go for it. No, but I was going <laughs> to say like, like, like talking, you know, like the worship leader gives the mini sermon before the song, you yeah. know, hopefully not before every song, but so oh, you're going to, you know, what's your, what's your favorite Mav City song? Let's start there. Well, my favorite Maverick City song is Rumors. I don't know if you've heard that one. I feel like mm. that one's so underrated. That one's okay. so good. Okay. Um, so, so give us the, 
the spiel? Like what's the connecting testimony or piece? How are you bringing that to the congregation to set them up to worship to that song? Yeah. So if I were to lead this song on a Sunday morning, it would probably go a little something like this. Um, (laughs) So I feel like we have these, you know, as Christians, we hear other people tell stories about what God's done in their life or, you know, they share their testimony and it's, you know, it builds our faith and it's great to hear other people um, brag on God and what God has done for them. But God wants to do those miracles in your life as well. God wants to meet you. He wants to encounter you where you are today. And if he can do it for them, he can do it for you. Don't let the miracles and the move of God um, just be a rumor in your life, but let it be a reality for you and your testimony. Come on now. There you go. That'll preach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll mean, worship that was on after the spot, that. but yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's good though. All right. Um, Man, yeah, now, I, I like now, now I know how my students feel when I put them on the spot to play games. Gosh, right? I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is on behalf of all of your students. I'm getting you back. That's uh, that's the thing. I want friends like that. Like I want a group of youth pastors or pastors that I can go like do dumb things with right. around in life, so we can play stupid games like this. Exactly. Because um, I I do this kind of stuff just for fun to be dumb, and it's yeah. Uh, you know, it's like both good and also stupid, but yeah, uh, <laughs> totally fine. Um, okay. So you mentioned that you're super into iced coffee. Um, oh, yeah. what's your, what are your flavor? Uh, do, do you do just a straight iced coffee? Like I want black oh, coffee on no. ice or it, tell us your flavor combination there. Absolutely not. Um, I would love to get <laughs> to that point where I could just do, you know, like, mm-hmm. like an Americano or something, but I'm not it's like the that. best. It's the best. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get there, but no, um, I used to be a Starbucks girl. Um, mm-hmm. I probably, well, I know how much I spent last year at Starbucks. I'm not going to tell you because the <laughs> amount is so startling. Um, it's, that's the other nice thing about black coffee is it's cheap. Right. Well, see, that's part of the reason I want to get to that point. But uh, yeah, so I, uh, for Christmas, I got an espresso machine, right? Mm. And I was like, okay, I hope this works. I hope that this makes me not go to Starbucks every single day of my life. Um, and it turns out it did. Um, so nice. my go-to drink that I make at home is kind of like a copycat of what I got at Starbucks. And mm. I hate to say it, but mine's better. Um, so it's nice. a, yeah, it works. Um, it's a iced brown sugar, oat milk, shake and espresso. Mm. All right. It sounds really complicated, but it's literally oat the milk, easiest thing. brown sugar, espresso ice shake easy shake it yeah yeah yeah. so make that spiritual you you're hanging out with a student you're trying to convince them and in the name of jesus here's here's a spiritual connection to that use that as a sermon illustration your your iced coffee process man well you know here's the sketchy game piece of that (laughs) yeah i know i was like where's this going okay so when I make my iced coffee, I have, you know, three separate ingredients. I have the espresso, I have the oat milk, and I have the brown sugar mm. and the ice. But for the sake of my illustration, we're just going to count the, the liquid forms of this drink. Mm-hmm. Um, the espresso. Oh, man, brown sugar is not a liquid. That's embarrassing. Um, That's okay. Yeah, you know, whatever. Um, so you have these three separate ingredients. And um, on their own, you know, they're cool. They have a purpose. Um, but when you put them together... You know, you really get something powerful. You get something Mm. strong. You get something 
that, that you're craving. And so um, it's kind of like mm. the father, the son, the Holy spirit, right on their own, they're vital. They have roles, they have purposes, but when you put them together um, mm. that kind of makes up the Godhead, the Trinity. <laughs> and so, um, you know, nice. You need them all together, right? That's the best yeah. way to have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's partialism, Patrick. But yeah, no, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, have you seen that video that I'm referencing? It's kind of No, older. I was just going along with it. Okay. No, there's a, oh, I can't remember who it, um, it's like a Lutheran. Oh, the, the channel on YouTube is called Lutheran Satire. And it's too, okay. it's like really bad, like old school pre-YouTube internet style animation. Okay, um, cool. And it's two Irish twins with like a weird cutout, you know, like with the mouth. It's like a picture of St. Patrick. And he's got like just the cutout where they, you know, have a mouth uh, talking. And he's like trying to evangelize in Ireland and explain the Trinity. And like every time he gives them a metaphor, they call him out on the heresy that that metaphor leads to. And it's really funny. And and he's like, well, you know, he finally tries. He's like, well, it's like. You know, it's like God is, you know, three parts. So like, it's like a clover. There's, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're three different things, but you know, it's all one uh, one thing. And he's like, no, that's modalism, Patrick. Best, ex- you know, explained. <laughs> awesome. And, you know, and they've, are, are uh, partialism. And, you know, he's like, oh, and I suppose there's a council that described that heresy too. And they were like, they're like, best described in the, you know, 80s show Voltron, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. so dumb. But anyway, yeah, it. Um, I love trying to explain the the Trinity because you you can't give a metaphor for it without finding yourself in heresy if you take it too far. Right, um, exactly. No, but that was good though. I I'm here Thanks. for that. That was good. I was wondering where I was like, where is she going with that? I thought it was going to be so, okay. This is cool. Well, that's why I was like, <laughs> okay, I can't really include the ice because now we got four going on here, so yeah. it's confusing. One one day when I step up the quality of the podcast, I will have like, you know gospel organ music playing gently behind these moments where it's like give us the thing here we go here's our music and you know it'll be like the letters uh the thank you notes from jimmy fallon you know we'll have the little background track and it'll be like oh i'm feeling this now i'm ready for it you know yeah that's awesome Um, so uh i I should do i have auto pad i should just play that you know put the pad on in the background while we do this okay yeah exactly (laughs) um okay you are a bama fan which um, is what you said, uh, and I am uh, I am aware of the craziness of the the just the unbridled illogical passion, unreasonable passion <laughs> for for just hating on everybody else, but especially Auburn. To, oh, yeah. to my knowledge, um, so how how can you, as a Bama fan, represent Jesus to an Auburn fan? So I'm going to be honest, um, I'm an Alabama fan because I'm afraid to not be um, because of where I live. People are so diehard Alabama fans, um, Mm. my family, my uh, church. um, Yeah. So So help them out. How do you preach (laughs) moderation? I feel like I got bullied into it. So I guess like, you know. And, and you're so right. Gosh, there's such a hatred for Auburn. It's ridiculous. I'm like, it's sports, y'all. We need to chill. Like, um, so anyways, you know, the way that you would preach to an Auburn fan is the way that you should preach to anybody. Um, mm. Everyone is deserving of salvation. Everyone um, deserves the same opportunity to hear the gospel. And mm. just because you're rooting for Auburn or Alabama, um, 
that should not be a prerequisite into the kingdom of God. So yeah. uh, I guess that's my biggest advice, you know, yeah. how to love one another. And, um, you know, we wore not with flesh and blood. So mm. uh, come on, we go. I, you know, six. There we go. Yeah. But yeah. for me personally, I don't have any hate for any okay. sports. All right. I just, it's just, no, I, I can, I can hear that message, man. You throw out some, some Galatians in there. Like, so yeah. there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, Bama yeah. or Auburn. There is just Jesus. Come on. Exactly. That'll preach. There you go. All right. There's the I, organ. Yeah. 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 Right. That was, that didn't sound like an organ. I apologize. Okay. That'll be <laughs> stricken from the record. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, thanks for going along with that. I know that's that's so much. It seems like it should be easy, but it's so much harder when you're on the spot. You're like, I don't know. And then afterward, like I've literally had conversations like this and gotten a text later. Like it should have been this. Like put yeah, this in. I'm like, how am I going to put that in? Like, no, I can't like replace that at this point. Like, no, it's over. Yeah, it's over. No, you failed. You missed your opportunity. Sorry. Um, yeah. you know, th this is not, this is like the, the, you know, Lazarus, the beggar on the other side of the chasm. Like I cannot go back and tell the people, there yeah, you they should know <laughs> what's happening. No, I just want to give a public, um, apology to my students, uh, right now, because I feel your pain and, um, thanks for ever coming back to the youth group. Um, I'm sorry for what I put you through. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Um, it's a miracle. Oh, man. Still show up. Yeah, no, I know, but that. Isn't that such a, um, a testimony to God's goodness on the regular yeah. where you're just like, all right, well, you know, my evidence of Jesus in my life is that people show up for this because I know it's not me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, man, that's so, so cool. I bet I bet. If, and from what I've seen on TikTok and the kinds of things that you share and even some of the interactions I've seen, uh, I've noticed um, at least some of your students, it seems like uh, some of your students engage with you on TikTok and the comments yeah. and stuff. And um, so it seems like you are doing something right because the content is solid. You're pointing people to Jesus and having a good time. And uh, it seems like they genuinely love you. They, they come back with, I see comments where they're stoked on that. And there are so many cringy ways to attempt to engage youth culture. Yeah. And it seems like you are not doing that. And not as, yeah, as a guy who, um, so far, I think I've managed to avoid most of the cringe, except when I do it on yeah. purpose. Um, right. so I, I, I appreciate the kindred spirit and like j not being like, I try not to be the try hard, you know, right, just exactly. like, like, look, man, the, the sideways hat and the baggy pants and the Supreme shirt, not really your vibe, <laughs> calm yeah. down, but yeah. also, um, you know, try to be relevant. And so it, it seems like you're nailing that. And well, thank you. I just want to, from the outside, thanks for representing youth ministry well and representing, uh, you know, to your students in a way that they seem to be connecting with, because that's important. They need to know that people are for them and that they get them on their exactly. level where they're at. Jesus sees them and, and appreciates them. And I think when, when youth pastors or youth leaders or just anybody can recognize that value and goodness in a teenager, there's so much more potential for them to recognize yeah. that, you know, that, Hey, God cares about me right now. Not just like yeah. in 10 years, but like right now he cares. That's cool. That's so awesome. to your teens, to that student who is uh, struggling and maybe you already answered this, but to kind of wrap this up, what is your pitch to the kid who 
just isn't sure. Maybe they've been struggling because of the pandemic and either anxiety or loneliness or, or you know other mental health struggles or yeah. um, or if it's just the person who is just flat out questioning, where is God? Here is why following Jesus is worth it. Yeah. What's your answer to that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think when we think about God, there's so many different attributes of his nature and his character. Um, we know that he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. We know that um, he's our shalom. He's our peace. Um, we can list, you know, all the names that are used to describe him. Um, so wherever you are right now, whether you're battling depression or anxiety or loneliness or fear, um, if you're doubting, you know, is he real? Uh whatever your need is or whatever you're lacking, he is that he is the solution. Um, he's not, he's not the problem. He's the answer. And, um, you're not going to find the answer within yourself. You know, you're not going to find, if you're feeling lonely, the answer is not, Oh, I'll just get more friends at school. That's not it because there, no matter what you're facing, there is a void inside of you that only God can fill And so stop trying to look to the world. Stop trying to look to a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Stop trying to look to TikTok or Instagram to fill that void because only God can truly satisfy you. So, um, you know, just keep pursuing him. Start pursuing him if you haven't. Um, uh, You know, he he loves you. He sees you. Um, You were created with a purpose and um, his uh, plans for you are to prosper you, not to harm you. So I guess that would be my encouragement. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Amen. Yeah. All right. We're going to pass the plate one more time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. I really appreciate that take on uh, the encouragement and everything. And um, I love, hopefully, for anybody who's listened through to this point, that there's, you know, sounds like some encouragement wherever you're at to be able to, at the end of each interview. Um, I think there have been really great moments of encouragement that these things are for you as well. And so if you're hearing something that you don't necessarily relate to, um, Jesus still has something for you and it's not going to look just like Jessica's. It's not going to look just like mine. Uh, it's not going to look just like anybody else's, but to hear all these different streams of how God works in our lives and to know that one way or another, Jesus being Lord, being our, our friend, being our, our, Uh, our savior and the one who came and died for us. He has something for us. And if we put our faith in him, there is absolutely hope and joy and glory in following him and, and just wonder and radness, Uh, (laughs) radicality. What's the, I don't know, but it is radical. So uh, Jessica, you're pretty cool. If people want to follow you or connect with you, um, where should they do so? Or do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah. Um, so I am on TikTok. Uh, my username is Jessica Geiger 13. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Jessica underscore Geiger underscore. Um, I'm also on YouTube. So go check that out as well if you want. Um, yeah, I, YouTube's more like I do like vlogs, but mm-hmm. I do also do some like deep sit down, like how to avoid burnout videos and stuff like that. So, oh, cool. Um, if you're into that type of stuff, you might like my YouTube, but, uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, that's, um, and also I have a website for my evangelism ministry. Um, it's called Vessel Ministries. Yeah. It's called Vessel Ministries. Um, so if you ever need a guest speaker, your church, hit me up. I'd love to come. Um, yeah. Uh, 
it's a vessel or no, it's we just changed the web address uh, like <laughs> last week. So make me make sure I say the right one. It's make me a vessel.com. So uh, mm. you can go there. Uh, the website's like still under yeah. construction a little bit, but um, you know, hopefully by the time this is out, it'll be done. Um, yeah. Legit. And we will have all those links in the show notes and in the description. So you can connect with all of those. Um, Jessica is super cool. This has been a ton of fun. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the Be Rad thank for Jesus for podcast. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a good time. And I love connecting with other youth pastors and uh, just hearing what God is doing. I love connecting with anybody who is following Jesus. And especially right. this part, just hearing stories of this is why God is awesome. Um, that, that I somehow stumbled into like the absolute best podcast topic ever. Cause this is, this is like one of the best parts of my week getting yeah. to hear people's stories. Yeah. So go follow Jessica on all the things, Jessica, we will talk to you again, hopefully sometime. And I'll see you on TikTok for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, that's it for this week's episode of the Be Rad for Jesus podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I, if you've stuck around this long, you either hate us so bad you want to find out where to complain or you really loved it and you want to come back for more. I want to tell you how to do that. You can go to beradforjesus.com and we have links to everywhere you can stream and subscribe to our podcast. We have episodes, we have show notes all on there where you can find us on anchor.fm or on the anchor app you can find us on spotify on apple podcasts google podcasts stitcher and if there's another platform that we don't offer yet hit us up on the website or through anchor and let us know where you listen to podcasts and where you would like to hear or engage with this if you do enjoy the podcast would you consider leaving us a review leaving us a rating sharing it with a friend, posting it on social media, and or even going above and beyond and supporting this podcast. You can do that on Anchor. And uh, that would for sure help us make more episodes of this podcast because caffeine definitely fuels just about everything we do almost as much, but not quite as much as the Holy Spirit and our love for Jesus. That said, I hope you have a rad day. Go out and do something incredible. Be rad for Jesus because following Jesus is radically different and radically awesome.